You're listening to WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're discussing the governor's budget proposal and terms of what it means for New York seniors. And to do that, we're joined on The Capitol Press Room by Becky Preevy, executive director for the Association on Aging in New York, which represents local programs serving seniors in their community. Welcome back to the show, Becky. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. Well, to try to start things on a positive note, uh, are there any new or expanded investments from Governor Hochul in terms of programs or services that primarily target uh, seniors in New York? Well, unfortunately, as is the case during um, the proposed executive and then the legislative cycle, we walked into this current fiscal year at a flat funding level. Um, we did have some legislative additions that were in last year's budget of $9.3 million that goes to home care, home delivered meals, those types of services. We also received $2.5 million in additional funding for the long-term care ombudsman program. And unfortunately, the proposed executive budget withdraws those additions, um, which is very concerning for the 59 offices for the aging that operate these programs and services because those dollars were used to actually turn services on for older people. Um, and with those cuts, what then happens is people that are receiving home care services or maybe receiving a home delivered meal or transportation to chemotherapy or dialysis can no longer access those services based on the budgetary issues. Well, you mentioned the legislative add-ons, and for people who maybe don't speak uh, budget parlance, uh, this usually refers to this uh, dance that happens between the governor and the legislature, who have a sort of give and take in this process, and the legislature will typically add on uh, to what the governor initially proposes. Uh, are you anticipating that dance to be uh, as choreographed as it has been in the past? Will the legislative add-ons that you've counted on in the past uh, likely be restored in a final budget? this year? Or is there reason to expect that the governor may play some sort of hardball and those uh, funding initiatives that you just sort of identified aren't going to be uh, in a final budget uh, this year? Well, we're definitely hopeful and we're hopeful for a variety of different reasons. So if you understand how the aging services network works, we have 59 predominantly county-based offices for the aging that work with about 1,300 not-for-profit subcontractors to actually deliver services to older people in their communities. When you look at the older population versus the general population, I think there's a couple things that we're really trying to focus in on to make the case on why it's so important to invest in aging services. So so the state is home to about 20 million people, but when you look at demographics, we know that almost 5 million are over the age of 60, and we have an additional 4.1 million caregivers in the state of New York. So this is something that's very, very important to the general population because we have almost half of the population in the state of New York that is in some way, shape, or form touching the aging or disability services network. In addition to that, when you look at the economic contributions of the older population, they pay $72 billion a year just in state and local taxes. That doesn't encapsulate what their volunteerism is worth, what they give to philanthropy, their private pensions and social security. So you, you have this very large tax base that is supporting all other aspects of government and we do have a small subset of that population that has needs. So when you look at the $72 billion that's paid in in taxes, and then you look at the New York State Office for the Aging Budget, which is less than $200 million per year, it only makes up seven-tenths of 1% of the overall state budget. 
for this massive population. So we're really trying to make the case, not only do older people that have needs deserve to have those needs met, they're paying the bulk of the costs of the state of New York. Um, and we want to keep them here and keep them active and healthy. In addition to that, you have this long-term global Medicaid issue that the governor has talked about, that the legislature has talked about, that we have to contain long-term Medicaid costs because they are so expensive. Again, when you look at the Aging Services Network, we provide services to non-Medicaid eligible individuals who have some needs. When you look collectively of, of what that individual looks like on average, it's an 83-year-old low-income female who lives alone, has four or more chronic conditions like diabetes, congestive heart failure, and needs assistance with taking a shower, making a meal, or cleaning their homes. So statutorily, that individual could could go to an assisted living or a skilled nursing facility, we keep them in homes and communities on average for six and a half years for less than $10,000 per year on aggregate. If that individual had to go to a nursing home, they would spend down to Medicaid to the tune of $140,000 to $150,000 a year. So if the state wants to save money long term, you need to look at the population growth. Fastest growing segment of the population are those over the age of 80. We're gaining population density in those over 60. We're losing population density in every other generation. And if you know you need to contain long term Medicaid dollars, we need to invest in the prevention of ever having people have to access the Medicaid or the skilled nursing facility system, because it will save the state hundreds of millions of dollars long term. Well, are there any budget investments like what you just described in the governor's proposal, those types of upfront investments that help you avoid longer term costs? Specifically, I'm thinking of Medicaid and people in nursing homes. Because when we've spoken with the head of the state office for the aging in the past, he's highlighted initiatives that rely on kinship caregivers, community volunteers, and advances in new technology to help people stay in their homes and to provide services and haven't necessarily uh, been trumpeting big investments in services and programs that help people stay in their homes. So is the state ponying up with these types of meaningful short-term investments, or is the state trying to get by relatively on the cheap with those types of proposals that I just mentioned that don't necessarily cost as much and then have longer-term expenses down the road? Not from a fiscal standpoint. I will state that the partnership with the New York State Office for the Aging and the innovative programs and services that are being deployed throughout the state some of those innovations we've had funding for for the last couple budget cycles are core programs and services, which are your traditional Older Americans Act core services for individuals are actually being cut. Um, so what we do see when you talk about kinship caregiving programs and volunteer opportunities and tech-based platforms, that's being done um, really to innovate and try and meet the needs that we can't meet under our current program structure simply due to the funding issue. So, you know, the network is really amazing at the work that they do in really trying to leverage as many resources as they can in their local communities. But when you look globally at the investments made at the state level, we are not seeing investments into the aging budget that can even begin to meet the needs of, of older residents. And to kind of give you a picture of what that is, we currently in the state of New York today have over 18,000 services that are waitlisted. So those are real people that go to their local office for the aging to say, I need a home delivered meal 
or I need transportation or I need legal services. And they're told due to funding, we can't serve you now. We're going to put you on a waiting list. We need to, to fix this to actually address the needs of the current population and then prevent those needs from getting further in the next couple budget cycles in the next couple years. And that's really the message we're trying to share through the master plan for aging process is that, yes, we want a long-term plan for aging in the state of New York, but we have to fix the basic issues we're seeing today before we're able to move forward. Well, I want to talk more about the master plan for aging, but first let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. We're speaking with Becky Preevy, executive director for the Association on Aging in New York. And back at the end of 2022, Governor Hochul signed an executive order calling for the creation of a master plan for aging. And since then, I think there have been at least 400 meetings as part of this master plan on aging process. When you think about implementing some of the ideas and themes that have uh, come up over and over again in this process of crafting a plan, does this budget reflect uh, any of those ideas? Does this seem like uh, a budget that gets us off on the right foot in terms of long-term planning? Unfortunately, it does not. And that was really the hope from a variety of different advocacy organizations, not only on aging, but also that represent skilled nursing facilities and hospital systems and home care providers. And when you look at the executive order that was signed into law on November 4th of 2022, it was really to create this blueprint for government, private sector, nonprofits to support older people in their homes and communities. Um, And part of what we were really excited about is, is the order literally states, we want older people to live fulfilling lives in good health with freedom, dignity, and independence to age in place as long as possible. So very, very lofty, beautiful goal of what we want to see happen in the state of New York. But then you have a budget that reflects the exact opposite. So not only did we see cuts in the New York State Office for the aging budget, which were very unfortunate, you're also seeing cuts to skilled nursing facilities, and you're seeing huge cuts to the home care um, infrastructure. So there, there really is a disconnect between what we're trying to do for this master plan for aging process and what is actually happening in in real time. And, you know, there's been a lot of conversations about this as we move through this budget negotiation process. And I think that the state really needs to take a step back and not plan for 10 years down the road for older New Yorkers. We need to really look at what programs and services work today, fund those programs, and then expand on how we can do better. You indicated there's been over 400 meetings. There's been over 16 town halls where community members and providers have publicly testified about the concerns they have. Um, You've seen at the human services and the health hearing, a lot of conversation about what these cuts are going to do to our long-term care service infrastructure and system. And what we're hoping is that we can kind of realign where we're moving towards by really taking a thoughtful look at what funding needs are identified now. And part of the reason we feel very strongly about that is in the, you know, this, the state budget presentation, the governor indicated that we have the largest reserves in the history of the state. It's really time to invest those reserves to save the state money in the long term. And more importantly, to do the right thing on behalf of the people that built this state and have supported the economy for decades. In the short term, what are the ramifications of the governor's budget as proposed? What is the potential fallout? Well, it's tragic. It literally means that if we we don't adjust prior 
to the adoption of the budget, we are going to take people that have been receiving services through their local offices for the aging that they have become dependent upon. Um, and those services are going to be either terminated or reduced. Um, we have one county in the state that already due to budgetary considerations and the fact we have not gotten um, an inflationary adjust adjustment for our meals program, they're no longer delivering meals five days a week. The meal is not just, um, you know, having a meal. It's having a health and safety check done on a daily basis by someone that can report if an older person doesn't answer the door or might be having a medical condition. And every day we save lives through that program. So in real time, as we're going through this process, we're cutting those services. In addition, David, one of the, the things that has hit the network very, very hard is we fully supported the $2 wage increase for the home care workforce. Uh, the only funding that was provided to absorb that rate increase was under the Medicaid system. We use the same licensed home care providers to provide home care services to individuals that don't qualify for Medicaid. And to put that in real terms, that's a single individual that makes $1,400 a month and needs help with a bath. They absolutely don't qualify for Medicaid, but they can't afford to privately pay a home care worker to come in. So we subsidize those services we got no funding to absorb the $2 rate increase that we had to pass through. So we cut services for older people in the state of New York. Well, on that note, <laughs> we're going to have to leave it. Uh, we've been speaking with Becky Preevy. She is the executive director for the Association on Aging in New York, which represents local programs serving seniors in their community. Becky, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.